Hello, uh, my name is Joel Lett. I'm the host for the Jumping Frenchman podcast. This episode contains some sensitive subject matter and offensive language. Some of this episode's contents may not be suitable for children and may affect people who are sensitive to slurs, violence, and hate crimes, especially hate crimes against people of the LGBT community. But this story is one that needs to be told and needs to be told right by someone who cares. I have felt attached to this story since I was younger and coming to terms with my own sexuality. Feel free to stop listening at any point and listen to any other episodes. Feel free to take a break and do something completely different than listen to this show. I may have to do that while I'm recording. I had to do it while I was writing. Today's episode is about Charlie Howard, an openly gay man who was beaten and murdered in Bangor, Maine. Listener's discretion is advised. Charlie Howard was born on January 31st in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. He was a kind and loving man. Growing up, he would play with his next-door neighbor, Cat Murphy. In 2019, she remembered, Charlie loved to draw women's fashion, and I thought he'd grow up to do that. He walked the streets in high heels with a purse. He didn't care. Even in death, no one changed who Charlie was. It seems that from the very beginning, Charlie Howard was himself. While researching this episode, I had the chance, the privilege, to talk to Bob Lister, a former special education teacher and principal who was Charlie's primary educator at Portsmouth High School. According to Bob Lister, Charlie had learning difficulties and he was also a very caring person who was always concerned about others. He goes on to mention that when Charlie was bullied for his asthma and effeminate ways, quote, Charlie always seemed to turn the other cheek. He would always convey his feeling that he was his own individual. I am convinced that had he lived, he would have been a prominent advocate for the rights of individuals. His famous quote was, Mr. Lister, this is who I am. Mr. Lister was kind enough to give me further information about Charlie. He met Charlie when he was transitioning from junior high school to regular high school, and it was, quote, obvious that he was different. Mr. Lister calls Howard one of the biggest risk-takers and courageous people I knew. He was who he was, and he was never ashamed to wear women's clothes and be flamboyant. The way he carried himself around Portsmouth drew hatred and anger from the less open-minded individuals. He never responded with violence. But when the bullying did get to him, he often turned to Mr. Lister. I asked Bob Lister what Charlie did for fun. Bob responded with, he liked to be downtown, loved to shop, go to movies, and enjoyed he enjoyed walking around the Portsmouth community. Charlie also spent time with Lister as a babysitter for Lister's child, or as a guest for pizza nights or beach days, even camping. When asked about who Charlie hung out with, according to Mr. Lister, he probably had more female friends than male, but the fact is didn't have many friends at all. He was closer to the adults. I asked Bob Lister two more questions. The first was, what would Charlie think about the progress the LGBT community has made in what Mr. Lister, as Charlie's friend and confidant, wanted the main takeaway from Charlie's story to be? To quote Bob Lister, if he was here today, he would be amazed with the progress of the LGBT community. He would be the biggest spokesperson for the group and take on a leadership role. To answer the second question, look at Portsmouth, for instance. Charlie left this world in the early 1980s, and all these years later, 
individuals in the LGBT have come forth to honor the memory of Charlie, not because he was murdered, but for who he was, a member of our community, a high school graduate, and a caring person who would have helped anyone in need, which included senior citizens. He continued with, I hope people young and old are able to accept people for who they are, respect them for who they love, and not be so judgmental. It takes us all to stamp out discrimination and ignorance. End quote. To me, he hits the nail right on the head. My goal when I started writing this project was to portray Charlie as a human being who was kind and caring, who was not afraid to be himself, a person with hobbies, friends, and family, not just a murder victim. Charlie Howard skipped his graduation to prevent his family from seeing the bullying he faced. After school, Charlie headed north to Maine because jobs were some important Smith, especially for an openly gay man with no college education. He, he didn't have much of a support system in Portsmouth. He didn't get along with his stepfather. He figured things would be better up in Maine. Charlie spent some time traveling in his early 20s before settling in with an Ellsworth man for a while. But the relationship ended quickly, and by January 1984, Charlie was back on the road. This is how he ended up in Bangor for the first time, in hopes of a better social life and work opportunities. He met Scott Hamilton and Paul Naughton, who let him stay at their house on Highland Avenue while he looked for a job. Unfortunately, he ran into the same problems he always had. The job market wasn't great for an openly gay man like Charlie. Scott and Paul suggested Charlie go back to Portsmouth, which he did. Unfortunately, this didn't last long either. Charlie moved in with a man, and after just a week in New Hampshire, Charlie called his friends, Paul and Scott. Hearing the pain in his voice, they had to move back in, in Bangor. Soon after he arrived, he joined the Unitarian Church, which at the time was over on Union Street, and what is now known as the Brick Church. It was there he learned about Interweave, an LGBT support group based in and sponsored by the Unitarian Church. He made friends and finally found a part-time job thanks to a neighbor and a city employment program. He found his own place on First Street behind the church and even adopted a kitten. Things were looking up for Charlie, but the harassment and bullying didn't end. The following segment contains graphic depictions of anti-LGBT violence and discrimination. Feel free to pause this and skip to the timestamp that will be put in the description. Or to stop listening at any time, take a break if you have to. This episode can wait. I was kicked out of West Market Disco for dancing with another man. On another occasion, he was chased out of the grocery store by a middle-aged woman who screamed homophobic epithets at him and called him a pervert. Before leaving, he turned, blew a kiss, and left. One day when he was walking home, he checked his mail and found the body of his beloved kitten in the mailbox. On July 7th, 1984, around 10 p.m., Charlie Howard left a potluck at the Unitarian Church with his boyfriend, Roy Ogden. They were going to pick up his mail at the post office, then walk back to his house on First Street. Unfortunately, the two were stopped by three drunk high school boys who were driving around town. Sean Mayberry, Jim Baines, and Daniel Ness. Two other girls were in the car with them. Three boys accused the couple, asking if they were gay. Charlie and Roy ran up the State Street towards Exchange Street. Charlie, an asthmatic, was caught and presumed he tripped. Roy kept moving towards Exchange Street. The teenagers began to beat Charlie up as he begged for his life before lifting him up and pushing him off the State Street Bridge. Charlie held on for dear life. 
once more begging to be spared, telling the boys he couldn't swim. The three didn't care and pried his hands loose before Sean Mabry gave the final push that sent Charlie Howard into the Gandeski River. The boys spotted Roy and threatened to kill him if he told anybody. Once the boys were gone, hooting and hollering through the streets of Bangor, Roy pulled a nearby fire alarm. The boys went back to the party and bragged about jumping a fag. Charlie's body was found around 1 a.m. The next day, 200 people packed into what is now the Brick Church for a vigil. Before walking the steam trek, Charlie did and casting a rose into the Gandeskig River, a tradition that remains today. Daniel turned himself in when he found out Charlie had died, while the other two tried to hop on a freight train out of town. They thought better of it and went home, where they were arrested and charged with the murder of Charlie Howard. The young men made their first court appearances on July 9th, 1984. The first question was, should these three young men be tried as adults. Arguments were made that they never intended to kill Charlie, that this was a prank. One of the teens claimed that Charlie had made a pass at them. An open hearing was held on the decision before Judge David Cox. According to Attorney General James Tierney, the public hearing, quote, meant that the public could see and the defendants could see that Charlie Howard had a mom and a family and friends who were devastated at his loss, as any of us would be if they had a loved one murdered. Tierney wanted the teens to be tried as adults to show how serious Maine was going to take hate crime laws, which were relatively new at the time. The decision was ultimately fell on the shoulders of Judge Cox, based simply on three factors. One, the seriousness of the crime. Two, the criminal record, age, and maturity of the perpetrators. And three, the sentencing alternatives available for juveniles. In the end, Judge Cox made the decision to try three young men as minors, saying, quote, I find that the offense committed was committed in a violent and aggressive and willful manner, but also saying that, quote, I find nothing in the record of this case that would indicate any of the three have previous history, record, emotional attitude, or pattern of living that would dictate that they be treated as adults. In the end, they were tried as minors, and charges were produced to manslaughter, to which they pleaded guilty on October 1st, 1984. The three boys were sentenced to the main youth center and were all free by their 21st birthdays. While handing down the sentences, Judge Cox stated, quote, Disappointment should be f the feeling of everyone when it is recognized that with all that we have available in this great country, we still have prejudice. We still have ignorance and intolerance which serve as breeders for a tragedy such as this. Disappointment that these three young people can become so calloused regarding their real values in life. That human life becomes secondary to the thrill-seeking and pseudo-macho activity. The vicious hate crime and what many view as the lenient punishment of Charlie's attackers emboldened the main LGBT community as well as the New Hampshire LGBT community, and indeed nationwide. In Maine, the community started the Maine Lesbian Gay Political Alliance. Clubs and groups had existed statewide. There was a gay newspaper in Portland and the Wildstein Club at Maine, as well as the aforementioned Interweave. But in 1984, this caused everyone to come together as one. This is what the Maine... 
Lesbian Gay Political Alliance, which is now Equality Maine, was. Bob Lester became superintendent for the Portsmouth era, later becoming mayor and helping organize the first Pride Day for the town with a parade and workshops. To quote Bob Lester, because I don't understand why we can't all recognize and respect all people. Bob Lester also sponsored the Gay Alliance for Portsmouth High School. I honestly couldn't have done this episode without the help of him, as well as Sarah Cornell, who helped me get in contact with Lister and the supervisor of technical services at the Portsmouth Library, who is now part of the steering committee for the Seacoast, New Hampshire LGBT History Project. In 2019, a service was held for Howard, and money was raised to build two benches in memoriam to Charlie Howard. These two benches will be raised later in October for LGBT History Month. I remember coming out as bisexual in October 2016, just a few months after the Pulse nightclub shooting. It was uh, National Coming Out Day. I felt like I had a target on my back. I was welcomed with open arms into the community by the Hassan LGBT Club, which is where I went to school. Uh, I was already part of the club and the community as an ally at the time, but I knew, but I knew the stakes, and I still do. It wasn't until I went to the Bangor Pride Parade uh, in 2017 that I felt welcome in the world, not only in my home state, my hometown. To see my hometown covered in rainbows and various pride flags brought me to tears. To think a town that saw a vicious hate crime less than 40 years prior would celebrate its LGBT community the way Bangor Pride does every year is genuinely touching. I made my way to the State Street Bridge, the same one that Charlie Howard was thrown off of, and I took a turn down a set of stairs that led to his memorial. It's always pretty in the spring and summer. It's a garden, and there's a stone flower pot with flowers in it. I sat there and I thanked Charlie. I said, I wish you could see this. Your town decked out in your colors. I put my hand on the stone flower and pot and I wiped the tear off my face. I make the same visit to his memorial every time I am in the area, just to check if it's still there. Check for vandalism. There hasn't been any on any of the visits I have made. It's really a comfort thing, of course. Uh, it's well taken care of by the Maine Health Equity Alliance. Sometimes I stick around, I say a few words, and I sit down. I rest my legs. Other times I just look as I pass by and smile to myself as I keep following the Kandeskic River to wherever I'm headed. If you're ever in Bangor, around Mexicali Blues, or Norbega Parkway, visit Charlie Howard's Memorial. It's a pretty stone flower pot on top of a plaque, and the plaque contains a promise that reads, May we, the citizens of Bangor, continue to change the world around us until hatred becomes peacemaking and ignorance becomes understanding. It's a promise that I hold deeply to myself, and I know the town of Bangor does as well. That will do it for this episode. I want to thank Pop Lester, Sarah Cornell of the Seacoast New Hampshire LGBT History Project for all of her help, Equality Maine, Maine Health and Equity Alliance, uh, and all of my sources for this episode. Citations will be out in the descriptions, as always, as well as done donation sources to various LGBT charities from Maine and New Hampshire to nationwide, like the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline for LGBT Youth. It is my favorite charity to give to because 100% of the proceeds go to keeping those lines open. 
Normally, I would close this episode out with my have a wicked awesome day, bubs catchphrase, but it doesn't feel right. By all means, please do have a wicked freaking awesome day, but instead, I will leave you with this. If you learn anything from Charlie Howard, if you remember one thing that you learned today, remember that he was brave, that he was unashamed of who he was and helped people when he could. We should all be more like Charlie. I say this at the end of every episode, and I mean it at the end of every episode, but I mean it especially during this one. I love all of you. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.